Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything. On today's show, you're going to be absolutely blown away. I was. I couldn't even uh, record the introduction before we started because this guy was so on fire. Uh, he is the partner and co-founder of Proudmouth.com, and honestly, probably one of the best podcasters I've ever seen in my, in my entire life. Um, this guy says that he needs to stay in his lane, but I believe the whole world is his lane because it's people, and he makes people uh, become accelerated and uh, allows them to be exactly who they are. Uh, he lives out his purpose and he is absolutely phenomenal. You're going to enjoy this uh, episode with Matt Halloran and you need to follow him. You need to chase him. You need to find out where he lives. I'll even give you his address. Do it. I'm doing amazing, man. Good. Doing incredible. Morning is morning as well for you. Uh, it's a very interesting day. Okay. So, uh, I just had like a kind of an epiphany. Okay. So yeah, <laughs> you know you can't beat a freaking morning with an epiphany, what dude. Kind, I mean, what kind on. of epiphany? You can't you can't leave me hanging on that. So I, I was talking to my business partner, and we were we we're trying to figure out why there are some people who are really successful with what we do, and <clears throat> why there are people who aren't very successful at what we do, <clears throat> and it all has to do with phoning it in. Right. We have people who freaking phone it in. They don't show up. They're not present. They're not ready to go. They're not focused. They're not prepared. They didn't freaking practice. Right. What they do is they show up and they say, I'm a freaking expert. And so therefore I can just do this because, you know, I've done it a million times. And I go back to freaking Michael Jordan hitting free throws every day. Right. People, people don't understand that if you want to be an influencer, I'm going to sniff it out if you're calling it in. So that was that would that that happened. I mean, we're we have these relationships with these companies, and some of the people that they refer to us, they're just killing it, Kelly. I mean, they're just like not m just making money hand over fist, but they're changing lives, right? And then we've got other people who send us stuff, and they're these these people who I, I want I want results today. That's not how this game works. You have to be like the juggernaut. You have to be ready for momentum, and yeah, so. It's a good day when shit like that happens as far as I'm concerned. So when did the epiphany hit you? Like uh, you, you said it was this morning. I mean, did yeah. it, did it, did something happen? And yeah, so I'm, it's my partner, dude. So okay. I partnered with this guy, Kirk Lowe, and uh, he's always challenged me to be my best. Right. Which I think is a great freaking partnership. Like eight, six years ago when I met him, the first thing that he told me is you got to give everything away for free. And at the time I had a scarcity mindset and I'm like, no, I'm not doing that, you know, and people aren't going to hire me. And of course I was wrong. And, and so, you know, I basically, he just kept beating that into my head. And then the minute that, that we started giving everything away for free, we just freaking exploded. And so we're, so we have a Thursday scrum meeting where, where him and I, it's just us. So none of the other executive team, no, nobody else on the team, just the two partners and, and we basically just brainstorm stuff. And, and that's, that's where it came from today. He was like, I just met with this guy and I don't understand why they're not killing it. And, and just from the open of the energy and, and that it just, it just, that was the epiphany this morning. And he does that crap to me all the time. Sometimes it's great. And sometimes it's like, oh man, that's going to be so much more work for us to figure out how to, how to implement that epiphany. And the team is like, can you guys stop freaking doing this? But that's just kind of who we are and how we operate. So 
So anyway. when, when yeah. was the last time that he came up with an epiphany and then you thought, man, this is going to be so much work? When when was that? Uh, like a week ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it happens pretty often, Kelly. Um, we're both fiercely entrepreneurial and in love the flexibility of things. And luckily we're still agile enough as a company to make changes. Um, and in fact, the funny thing is, is it's not the changes we have to make. It's the changes that we have to convince our clients that they have to make. And that's where a lot of the epiphanies come since we're a service organization, right? Our, the most important thing for us is for us to, well, accelerate people's influence. And, and I mean, that, you know, that's who we are. That's what we do. And we're just hyper analyzing all the time who is having their influence accelerated and who's not. And there's that, that, that's that common thread. How would you guys, how would you guys figure out Matt to, uh, you know, you're very defined in that purpose. Like we accelerate people's influence. Um, how did you, how did you get to that in the first place? I mean, because there's so many times, I mean, I'm sure that you're good at a lot of other things. You could do things, but I think the, one of the big things that I've been, uh, you know, epiphany kind of things that have been happening is just because you can make it successful doesn't make it right for you. Right. Well, for us, the, the, the major epiphany that led to that was we were going through this branding exercise. Well, we rebranded our company. So we were top advisor marketing previously. Now we're proud mouth, mostly because we just didn't want to continue to pigeonhole ourselves just in financial services. Right. So we've expanded outside of financial services. And uh, one of the guys who was working us through our talking points and our branding points said, what you guys want to do is free the world's experts from the torment of sales. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. I mean, the best of the best don't have to sell, right? Apple doesn't sell, right? Land Rover doesn't sell. You know, people don't, you don't sell your products. People buy from you, right? That's what, and then that goes into influence. You have created influence. Land Rover's created influence. Apple has created influence. If you want that, you go to them to buy it. And so that's this whole that's this whole mindset that we're trying to get people in is especially in our industries where we've started in financial services, all sales, dude. And, and people hate being sold to nowadays. They want to opt in and buy. And that's what we specialize in doing. How, how do you flip that? Because, you know, for a person like yourself, um, you know, your, your, your partner, Kirk, you guys are both geniuses. I, I love what you do. You guys are so direct in what you do, but also too, um, there's those people out there that are saying, well, okay, if I was Matt and I had the, you know, if I had the chops, if I had the greatest voice and the greatest beard on earth, then <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do that too, Matt. But I, it just doesn't work for me. Well, dude, it's being your own loud, right? So that's our, so we have, we have two major philosophical directions. One is you have to be your own loud. You have to unapologetically be you. You can't be me. You try to be me, you fail. But you have to figure out what it is about yourself that makes you fundamentally unique and different. And that's where you need to go. And that's how you rise above the noise. Kelly, you and I are doing this 
there's a million of people doing this stuff, right? But because you're fundamentally who you are and because I am unapologetically who I am, we rise above the noise. Our stuff gets heard because people want to hang out with people who have that level of confidence. Now, brother, I'm telling you, I don't have that confidence all the time. Um, it waxes <laughs> and it wanes, but I, my, uh, my homeostasis, my equilibrium that I have in who I am, that being okay with that, being okay with me being me, sure wasn't something to happen overnight, but I'm telling you, that's why you and I can do stuff like this and, and hopefully impact people's lives is because listen, uh, this is who I am. If you don't like me, fine. Here's the deal. If you don't like me, if you think I'm an idiot, if you think I'm over the top, if you think that I'm whatever, then I can tell you other people who can help you with what we help you with that you might like a lot more because I don't have that scarcity mindset, right? I'll, I'll refer you to my competition. I know my competition. I'm friends with my competition, right? Because not everybody connects with me, but the people who do, that's who we can really help. I don't know. So, I mean, with the... Where are you not confident, Matt? I mean, when, when I talk to you, like oh, I get it. Hey man, I get a chance to talk to you. And I mean, it's just, it's life. Like right when we got on the call today, like you, you pop on and it's like, you know, it's a jolt of, of energy and light and love, you know, and the same thing the other day when we talked, like, so tell me about where Matt is maybe not so confident. We don't have enough time. Uh, so, <laughs> So one of the things that I would say that I, I absolutely struggle with is imposter syndrome. Okay. And here's, here's, here's why I started out this professional journey, this phase of my professional journey as a life coach. Okay. Now I have one of the only graduate degrees in life coaching that was ever offered. And it's not even offered anymore because, uh, you know, uh, International Coaching Federation came out and Coach you and all of these things. The guy who trained me was the first person in the nation to get a PhD in life coaching. So I, I have like legit technique and all of that stuff. But what I was trying to do is I was trying to be freaking Tony Robbins, right? I wasn't trying to be Matt Halloran. So that whole process there has been such a lack of confidence. Well, you know, I went to, I went to UPW, Unleash the Power Within, right? Did in Chicago. I was at the lowest point in my life when I went there. It was brutal. So much of my, my all sorts of stuff was happening. And I, I walked across the coals, right? And I got on the other side and I was like, this is gonna be a life-changing experience, right? It wasn't a life-changing experience. Not, not even freaking close. I got done. I was like, that's it. Like I just paid $8,000 or some <laughs> insane price to do that. But I think that, so it, I find myself thinking, and here's where the, the lack of confidence comes in. You know, I find myself thinking, should I be more like that person? Would I be more successful if I followed that route instead of being wholeheartedly true to myself that's where a lot of the confidence comes. Cause I meet people like you, I've met like Matt Gagnon and all of these people I've been introduced to through this rebrand and through all of these new connections. And I look at you guys and I'm like, dude, you guys are unfreaking believable in what my epiphanies recently have been is I want to learn from that person. 
I want to find out what aspects of their life I want to emulate, but I'm going to do it my way. Mm. This episode is brought to you by one of my favorite companies in the entire world, the Mina Group. As one of the top culinary experiences in the world, celebrity chef Michael Mina and his team are dedicated to giving you what you never knew you always wanted. With 30 locations throughout the world, this company is focused on the one thing that truly matters, their people, and that is why they are your world of wow. Change your life by going to michaelmina.net. Dude, I'm almost 50. I mean, this is not like I've been figured this out when I was in my 20s, dude. This has been a hell of a journey up until now. So talk to talk to us about 20-year-old Matt then because oh, I mean, tell, tell me about that and then I do want to hear about uh, when you did when you walked across the coals. I was about to say to you, you got done and you were like that's it, but you were saying that's it and you had some burn ass feet. Am I correct? Like it burned no, your feet. I, it didn't burn your feet no. at all? No. Nothing. Not it was not, my it was I, mind over matter. I have pictures <laughs> of my feet after that, and it's, it, there was nothing. Hey, they were. I need they the, were legit. I need the pictures. I need the pictures, Matt. <laughs> Everyone listening needs the pictures. So tell it. Okay, 20, 20 year old Matt. Tell me why Wu Tang is so important to you too. I see it on your shirt. How has Wu Tang affected you in business? Well, this, okay. So there's a lot there. That's a lot to unpack because this is what I grew up with, right? Yes. So I grew up with, so I graduated high school in, in 1990. Yes. Okay? Yes. And that is when, you know, I grew up, I, I was a minority in my high school, okay. right? So there were more African-American, Hispanic people, Asian people in my high school than there were white people. And this is what I grew up, NWA, I mean, NWA, Public Enemy, you know, Easy e all of these people, this gangster rap, which just fundamentally challenged my foundation and, and said, what you're living is not the reality of what a huge part of our population is living. And, and Wu-Tang was huge in that. I mean, for, for me, Wu-Tang was more just unbelievable levels of eloquence and intelligence and how they were able to, you know, s stitch words together that really nobody else was doing that. Right. And even to this day, I mean, besides I'd say maybe public enemy Talib Kweli, Mostaf, there are some other people who I believe have risen to a level of unbelievable brilliance as people and then use that brilliance in a medium that I love which is, which is rap. I mean that, that for me, but 20 year old Matt. So 20 year old Matt, <laughs> well, I was still in the Navy and it's 20 year old Matt. Okay. Um, and I was doing really dumb shit at, as 20 year old Matt. I mean, <laughs> you, you know, when you're in the service, you, you are brainwashed to believe that you're indestructible. Right. I mean, I, I was indestructible at that point in my life. I mean, I, I, so I smoked two packs of Marlboro reds a day and chewed tobacco at the same time while you and, were smoking oh yeah I, I would have dip like not not dip i'd have like chaw like red man and smoke at the same time yeah i'm, I'm gonna pay for this at some point i know i'm gonna <laughs> i mean uh, i'm just waiting for that call to happen but um but the crazy thing was i was following the dead so every time we were back in New Jersey, when the dead would go up and down the East Coast, me and my friends, I had a 1977 pop top uh, Volkswagen camper. It was orange. And in the service, we would drive up and down and try to see as many shows, mostly just hang out in the parking lots. But th that's what I did at 20 year old Matt. And it's funny because I look back on the level of freedom 
that I felt at that time in such a highly regulated lifestyle that it was freaking amazing. It was amazing. I met so many people who were transcendent, probably because they were wasted on acid too, mind you. I mean, you know, they really did have some pretty crazy, I mean, there were some pretty, okay, I have to tell you a very quick story. Okay, go. We're at Giant Stadium. We're out in the parking lot. It's really late at night. So we're laying in my, so my pop, my top was popped. I was on the top bunk. Friend of mine was on the bottom bunk. Another guy was playing with devil sticks right outside. We're just listening to the music because you could hear it. It was giant stadium. It was wide open, right? And um, this guy runs by and he goes, they opened the gates. We're like, what? They're like, yeah, it's the third encore. They're opening the third encore, Grateful Dead. Third encore, they're opening the gates. And we're like, no, that's not possible. And then all of a sudden another dude walks, runs by and he's like, they opened the gates. Let's go. And we're like, okay, whatever. We're going to follow this, right? So we start running now we were all in pretty damn good shape, even though I smoked a lot and we're tearing towards the gates the, and the gates were freaking open in giant stadium. We went right through the gates and we started running around giant stadium to try to find a way to get in, to see the last part of the show. And we got to the really, really high point, which we were actually sober at the time, surprisingly enough. And we walk into the, into the corridor and it's packed with people. Right. And I go, it's his first show, like it's about that loud. It's his first show. And the freaking people parted like the Red Sea so that my friend could walk down and stand right at the tip of the balcony to see Franklin's Tower at the end of a freaking Grateful Dead show. Wow. See, that's the sort of stuff, man. I mean, it, did that really happen? It did, because I have corroboration, but whew, that was magical, brother. So that was 20-year-old Matt. 20-year-old Matt was... That, that's where I was mentally at the time. <laughs> Tell me about 10-year-old Matt. Well, so 10-year-old Matt was living in the projects. Um, parents got a divorce when I was seven. We had nothing. My, my mom raised two boys on about $13,000 a year. Um. So Matt, Matt, tell me about, at seven years old, your parents get divorced. Yeah. Tell me about that conversation. Did your parents have a conversation with you or did it just happen? And tell me about, tell me about that. Yeah. Well, so we were just sitting at the table. It's the only time I ever saw my dad cry and we left the next day. Mostly because my dad was about to go to jail. (laughs) So we should put some of this in context, (laughs) dude. So my dad was a criminal. Uh, He embezzled from hotels. How did he embezzle? Did you find out how he was the general manager and he knew how to cook the books? Did you know the tech? Did you find out the technique later on? Oh God, no, man. My dad, I know. I'm not saying that you wanted to do it. I'm just saying like, you know, sometimes we find out the, the, like the overview, but then we find out actually how, but no, never found out how I never found out why I never found out a lot of stuff. That's kind of a, a, a welcome void, to be honest, because okay. I know what personality traits I got from that guy. And you can use those personality traits for good or for evil. He went the evil route and okay. I've tried to do it for the good route. So tell me about your, your, uh, you said you're 13 or, uh, you know, your, your mom's making 13,000 a year, um, raising two, two boys, yeah, single mom. Right. Tell me about mm-hmm. that experience. 
Well, my brother basically was the, he was parentified immediately. Right. I mean, he was nine, nine and a half. And uh, so I tell this story when I'm speaking, depending on the context, but I, this is the perfect example. So we're walking out of our, our, our town home. That was a subsidized town home. And there's a penny on the top of the, the door frame. Right. And I, I said, mom, can I have that penny? And she said, no, you can't have that penny. And, uh, and so I was pissed or whatever, you know, I was a freaking kid, whatever. And so later on in life, I asked my mom, I was like, mom, why was there always a penny? She said this because I knew we were totally broke. Damn. At that age, Matt, you're finding yourself, right? Mm -hmm. You're, you're growing, you're doing these things. You have an older brother, you know, all those things. What are some of the things that you're going through at that time? And some, what are some of the things that you're just shutting off? Cause I was the, I was the baby in the family. So I had older brothers. Um, mm -hmm. we went through some stuff and my brothers were always protecting me. So for yeah. me, I just became this, like, I mean, you and I, that's why I think we connect. We got, I, I don't call them rose colored glasses, like my head's in the sand, but rose colored glasses in the fact of like, eh, I mean, let, let's move through this thing. But then I found out later on that it was because my brothers were protecting me. Were your brother, was your brother protecting you from certain things or were you seeing everything firsthand? Well, I, I don't think that he had the capacity or the, cause I was not giving him <laughs> the ability to protect me at all. dude. <laughs> I was doing stupid stuff. I mean, a horribly stupid stuff. I joke with my kids today. I have twin 18 year old boys. They're graduating actually next week. Um, I can't believe I'm still alive. Like really uh, with all the stuff that I've done from, from jumping out of three story pine trees to slide down the outside. Cause you, by the way, you can do that on, on a white pine. I live in Michigan. So you can climb up to the top and literally slide down the outside of them. I don't recommend you do that. But <laughs> Thank I, you for that, Matt. Thank yeah, you. You're welcome. Here's my disclosure Thank and disclaimer. You. So we don't both don't get sued. Um, <laughs> But yeah, dude, I mean, there was, I mean, getting in fights. I mean, yeah, I mean, I was just, I was not a good kid, man. Like, you know, I was a happy kid, right? Uh, but I was not good at all. I put my brother through unbelievable amounts of pressure and stress. When you say, you, when you, say you were a happy kid, what made you happy? Oh, I'm happy. I choose happiness, dude. I've choose, chosen happiness. That That's... I don't know when that happened or how that happened, but I figured that out very early on in life that happiness is a choice that you can choose to look at the world in a positive way instead of a negative way. Um, I, I've, I, and we moved around so much that maybe that's part of it too. Like I lived in nine different States before I was seven. Cause you know, my dad kept getting caught. Um, I mean, kind of caught enough where he have to leave. And so, you know, I just entered into all of those as woohoo, new situation, right? And my brother <laughs> went, oh my God, a new situation, right? And so, and I saw how that affected my brother. And I was like, I just, I just don't want to have that negative. I don't want to have that negative kind of haze or whatever this, this negative outlook. I'm going to run into everything with childlike eyes and try to find the best that's there. Because if not, I just don't want to wallow. You know what I mean? I just, that's just not. That's not where I'm at. Do you think that, I mean, how much of that came from your mom and that, that lesson of the penny on the door saying that I know we're not broke. What were some of the other things that your mom taught you? And do you think that that, you know, uh, optimistic side, do you think that came from your mom? Cause your mom had to deal. Well, I think, I think 
I don't know, dude. Uh, I mean, for, for a lot of that time, my mom wasn't around very much. I mean, she had to work like to work. And then when she came home, she was exhausted, you know? And so, you know, we would kind of do some care stuff for her. I, I think part of it is, and you're going to, this is a self-deprecating math. So you have to just deal with this, but on the grand scheme of things, I'm not that bright. Okay. Like I'm not very book smart. Like you can't say, Matt, memorize this stuff. That's not how my brain works. Right. And so part of it is just like, I'm like a golden retriever and that's just the way I've always been like, Oh my God, there's a ball. That's the greatest thing in the freaking world. That's just how I've always lived my life. I think part of that's choice. I think part of that is circumstances. And now as I get older, it's choice. I mean, this is a conscious, my fierce love for humanity and for people and standing in line at the grocery store and giving two craps about the person who's checking me out. You know, the guy yesterday, we're at the store, my son and I are at the store. And, and it, so he puts our stuff in a, in a plastic bag. Now, usually, by the way, I asked for paper, but he didn't give me that opportunity. He started packing up my stuff and the bag had a rip in it. And I was like, in my son, Wesley, he goes, Hey, can you double bag that? And the guy's like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. And puts it in another bag and hands it to us. And then another bag came out. They were all ripped. Okay. They were all freaking ripped. Right. It, nothing to do with this poor checkout kid. And he said, and I said to him, I said, Hey man, why are you beating yourself up? These are, they're just crappy bags, man. Just don't worry about it. And he goes, no, man, I can't do that. It makes me look bad. And I just, I stopped and I looked at my son and he's like, oh, here goes dad. And I go, dude, you can't look at things this way. This is entirely outside of your control. Like you're doing a good job. You checked us out. It was totally uneventful. The bags weren't great. So don't beat yourself over something up or don't beat yourself up over something that's outside of your control. And then the kid looked at me and he goes, wow. And, and we left. I have to approach life that way, right? I, I'm not, I might never see that kid again, but if I made that much of a difference in a perspective when he's 18 years old that could cascade into, I don't know, maybe him not beating himself up over something he has no control over. Kelly, come on, man. Why, why wouldn't I do that? It took me three seconds, right? Yeah. Another pause for station identification and shameless promotion. This episode is also brought to you by Finley Cars of Las Vegas. I tell you, next level in the car buying experience, and not only that, but the life of your car, the service that you're going to uh, experience is incredible. It's Finley Volvo Cars. Uh, lv.com and also brought to you by uh, bling shine serum the only product on the market that will add weightless moisture strength and shine and the only uh, product that has the endorsement of my mama when i showed her all the features and benefits she smelled it and she said this is the greatest product that you've ever done and i thought mom do you not uh, look at the features and benefits she said no if it smells like that it must work and i tell you every single woman needs a little bit of bling in their life and this can be purchased at kellycardinasalon.com Matt, when were you the kid bagging the groceries with the torn bag? Oh, that was the whole Navy, brother. I mean, that was that's that's the United States Navy. The everything's torn bag in the <laughs> service, man. Yeah. So I got to my ship after boot camp, and uh, I get I walk on board, and I was in deck division, which is a, we don't have enough time to go through any of that. So anyway, and so the guy <laughs> says to me, 
the chief boatswain's mate. He goes, okay, here's the deal. This is a big bomb. If we get hit, because we, we knew we were going to the war, the first Persian Gulf War, he said, if we get hit anywhere on this ship, we are going to blow up in like a two square mile radius because of how much ammunition we have on the ship. He said, so just so you know, you're not going to have a chance to try to jump off the board. Don't try to swim away. You're just going to die. Welcome aboard. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, here we go. Holy shit. Uh, what do I get? Okay. Okay. So, um, but everything was like that. Like everything was just broken enough that it would work, but it didn't work great. And my ship was so old. It was actually built in the Korean war. It was a horrible, horrible ship. Um, but that's where everything was broken. So what do you do? Right. So my friends of mine, still friends of mine today, who they would focus on the broken, focus on the broken, man, I'm so tired of this, you know, forklift not working or, you know, the engine room where there were always issues with our, with our engine and stuff like that. And I took it the other way because I found out very early on in, in, in life that you can it's crisis-tunity, right? You have crisis and opportunity, right? And, and that's what it is. All crisis is an opportunity to either grow professionally, personally, spiritually, or whatever. And man, you if you look at my military kind of pedigree, or I was only in for three and a half years, you know, I was an E5 when I left, which very, very rare. I was meritoriously promoted to E5. I have a Navy Achievement Medal. I got my Enlisted Surface Warfare Specialist because everything I decided, you know what, I'm going to try to kill this. I'm going to try to be the best freaking person I can possibly be and volunteer for everything I can. And that's, my friends were focused on what was broken. And I was focused on how can I not only make this good for me, but make it good for everybody around. I don't know, maybe that's just been something that's, been in part of me since I was knee high to a grasshopper. I'm not sure. So you said that your mama worked so hard that most of the time she wasn't sitting you down and telling you lessons. What were some of the things that you observed though? Because like, say for instance, with myself, when we were growing up, um, we used to live on the side of the freeway in a double wide mobile home and cars mm -hmm. would happen. I know this isn't happenstance, but they would all happen to break down right in front of our house. And no matter what my dad was doing, he would get up from the dinner table, he would do whatever, and he'd go out and fix these people's cars. And what I saw was service. Mm -hmm. And more than him sitting me down and telling me, you need to serve people, you need to make sure that your people are taken care of, you need to do these things. What he showed me through his actions is that God gives you gifts, and then you need to go give them away. And that simply is your purpose. What did you see your mom do or your dad do that you were like, man, maybe you didn't recognize it at the time, but now you have... It's come full circle. It's work ethic, dude. That that's that's the difference. That that is what is the has led me. So there are different things that have led me to whatever levels of success that I've achieved in my life. Um, one is privilege, right? And and I I firmly know that I was born with the genetic freaking lottery, right? I'm a white male with blue eyes in the United States of America, and that really put me, you know, at the 50 yard line before anybody even started the game, right? So there's number one. Number two is is work ethic, right? And so I saw from my mother that she was consistently rewarded not financially, unfortunately, but with promotions and all of that stuff, because she put her head down and she did the work. Now I also, so I have 
we had grandparents who lived in Milwaukee. We used to go see them every once in a while. It was my dad's uh, grandma or mom and dad. And I remember my grandfather, um, he sold movies or MGM movies, actually the cans. So he would drive around in his car and sell cans of movies to freaking movie theaters. He was very successful doing it. Okay. He had pictures of him with like Laurel and Hardy and all sorts of just crazy at Charlie Chaplin. I mean, it was just nuts. The people that he got to meet, but he, he said, you know what, Matt, um, I work really hard every single solitary day. But the other thing is, is I, you know, but then I, I take the time I need to refresh myself, but this dude, every day of the week, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, he was in a full three piece suit every freaking day, every day. And that was just, that was how he prepared for the day. He had his own routine. You and I talked about this on our podcast, but you know, what do you do to mentally prepare for that situation that you're going to be in? His was myopic, right? So he, he was, he was a salesman, right? And so his part of his preparation was putting on the suit and the the vest and the jacket and, you know, combing his hair and just, he had this whole thing. That was his routine. And, and I think that that's really, really something that was ingrained in me at a young age that you have to have those routines. You have to have those processes, which is, you know, coming full circle to what we started out with, which is you can't phone it in. Right. I, I, you got to, you, you gotta be ready. You gotta be, I'm behind this microphone. Dude, when I'm behind this microphone, I had 25 minutes of crap that I did before we ever started. Because I I don't want to give you a half-assed performance, dude. You give me this gift of being on your show. I'm going to do whatever I possibly can to do the best that I can do for you. And by the way, I have no idea if I'm doing that, but I'm trying. (laughs) I'm just telling you that right now. I'm trying. Oh, dude, you, I mean, I tell you, you just saying hi. Like you saying hi is so, so incredible where like, and you connect with people on a, on an incredible level, Matt, like, and it's, it's different than, and I'm starting to realize why, because you're saying what you've been saying and what I'm hearing is, is that you're okay just being Matt. So take someone through, um, I think a vast majority is, hearing someone getting inspired by it, right? I was just writing about this this morning. I was at the beach this morning. I was writing about it. And you you confirmed some things, which was amazing, is learn from people. Don't try and be them. Can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah. And as I continue to to go through this stage of my professional life, like I'm meeting these people who who were my heroes, right? So there's this guy who, uh, his name's Bill Good, and you're not going to know who this guy is. He's in financial services, but he's the father of modern day financial services marketing. And I remembered I called him up. No, I actually didn't call him up. I emailed him and then I realized he's old school. So I had to pick up the phone. So I called him and I said, Hey, I'd like you to be on our, our top advisor marketing podcast. The first podcast that, that we did at our company we're like 300 episodes in now. And he was episode like 30, right? I was so nervous, Kelly. Cause I mean, this, this this guy's freaking famous, right? Picked up the phone and he's like, of course I'll be on your podcast. I'm like, you don't even know who I am. And he goes, I know who you are. I was like, what? He's like, you're everywhere. He's like your name and your face and your comments and all those stuff are all over the place. And I thought about that. I'm like, 
that's freaking Bill Good, dude. Like, I mean, this guy's about as famous as famous can get, and he knows who I am. I must be doing something right, right? So that's one of the times where I just kind of sat back and said to myself, okay, <clears throat> it's risky being yourself, okay? Because this is you. There's vulnerability to this, right? Because <laughs> if somebody's like, dude, I don't like you, I'm like, well, I'm not going to change, but sorry, you know, I mean, it kind of stings a little bit when you don't make that connection, but I don't know, trying, trying to get back to your question. It's just, how, how do you, how do you unpack that? How do you look at somebody who you want to be like? And then when you meet them, you realize that they're just like you. And maybe that's what it was for me, that's where a lot of the foundation happened. My old boss, so this is a guy I really look up to. Unfortunately, he won't talk to me anymore <clears throat> because I was disloyal and I understand that. I went out and started my own coaching company and whatever, his name's Ron. And we used to fly around on his jet. This guy's loaded, unbelievably successful. We'd get off the jet into a limo. I was eating dinners that I would never be able to pay for on my own. And one of the things that Ron said was Ron said, you're gonna meet some people who are like unbelievably egotistical and wealthy and all of that stuff. But I always want you to remember that. I mean, it, you know, they, they, they take a poop too. Right. And I'm just like, you know, I've heard people say that before and, and, you know, not trying to, you know, diminish people's success, but I know what it's like to have to go to the bathroom and they do too. So I'm not going to put, I mean, I'm going to provide you with the level of respect that I try to provide for everybody. Right. But I don't care if you're the cashier at the, you know, D and W up the street or, or if you're you, right. I'm going to try to be as respectful and, and appreciate the time that we have together as much as I possibly can. So Matt, when have you ever, I mean, cause it's, like to hear you, it, it puts me on fire. It makes my heart like, I mean, do the right thing. When have you ever done the right thing and it left either money on the table or it left you in a place where you didn't see, because we always talk about full circle. I love this part of it. I just had a friend the other day. I was talking to him. His name is Damian Dow. Um, he has uh, um, active, uh, active place. You need to check this out. This guy is a genius. He told me about the story where <laughs> his company got eval evaluated at 600 million. He had uh, one fifth of the, or 20, or 25 or 20% of the company. So he was going to walk away with 100, uh, 120 million. He called his wife. He said they were selling for 600 million. He calls his wife on Friday. Baby, life has just changed. They were balling anyway, but 120 million is going to change your life. He calls her on Friday. On Monday, he comes in, talks, goes to talk to his partner, and he says, so how's the deal going? Because we're closing. And a guy goes, I scrapped the deal. And he says, what? He's like, I not only scrapped the deal, I told the dude to F off. And I was like, what? And he said, yeah, because the guy, his partner said, I believe we're worth a billion and we're going to get a billion. Okay. Within one year, nothing. Gone company out actually within three months within three months the company was done so most of it and that's the end of the story like i mean obviously he started in on active place he's gonna do his thing he's building but when he was telling me i was like well, so what happened he's like well you know uh this is where and i was like did you want to choke him 
<laughs> now, most people tell me a full circle story, right? And everyone's like, oh, wow, you know, I gave up $100 and then I found a million in a briefcase later on and woohoo, you do the right thing. But that's not always how it happens. Uh, Matt, tell us about a time where you did the right thing and you still have not got any reward from it. So, so part of um, my background in financial services is if you can get the one company that gets behind. So as a coach and consultant, there are companies that you want to try to, to become a preferred partner is what they refer to it as, right? Okay. okay. Preferred partner. Right. And so I don't know, I don't know if I should use the name of the company. Um, I'll just be safe and not use the name of the Burger company. Burger King. Right. It's really, really big. In <laughs> fact, there's a financial advisor on every single solitary corner in okay. your, right. where you, okay. Right. Okay. Um, so I was, I, I had gone through all of the vetting process. I mean, this was like 18 months of work, 18 months where every three months I had a call with one of the executives. They were test. It's a very cult like organization. Um, they were vetting me, vetting me, vetting me. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And so I finally got an okay to work with their, one of their top 25 advisors and they threw me under the bus like whoa they threw me under the bus so what i used to do is i used to do they were called they were intensives all right so you would pay me a crap ton of money and i would fly to your your office and i had this hundred point checklist and i would walk in and i would take an analysis of everything everything carpeting how i felt when i walked in the smell of the place who greeted me met with every team member and i did this with this lady's office okay met with every single solitary team member, same thing came up. She's terrible. She's evil. She, this is the worst woman you're ever going to meet. She's physically and human, humanly not a good human. Okay. And I knew that. I mean, I knew that the minute that I was in her presence, Cruella DeVille. Okay. Picture, picture Cruella DeVille. Okay. So, you know, <laughs> highly made up, big hair, right. But, but really not well done. Like, <laughs> like bad color makeup hair was just, just off enough where you're like, really, did you do that? Anyway. So, so what ended up happening was, um, now this was an opera. This was a multi-million dollar opportunity for me. I'd never have to prospect again because I'd go to every one of their conferences. This is Matt Halloran. He's our consultant. This is what he does. And this is how he can help you build your practice. So I, I'm sitting with her and her husband the last night I'm there. We're out at dinner. And I said, she said, well, what do you think? And I said, well, I, you're not going to like what I have to say. I interviewed your team. You know what? I, you know, there's a whole bunch of infrastructure stuff that you have to work with, not only from a systems perspective, but from you as a leader perspective. And she's like, well, well what, is, what does that mean? I'm the reason why we've been successful. I'm the reason why people do business with me. I'm, and it's all of this, these I statements, right? And I'm like, oh, well, here we go. I'm done. And I said, that's the problem. I said, you're the problem. And unless you're willing to make fundamental changes with how you and she was burning through seven team members a, a year. She would have to rehire, retrain seven team members a year. And she was only allowed to have three in her office at a time. So she was turning over her team twice every year. And nobody had an idea that it was this person who was the problem. <laughs> so this is what she did. She called home office and said, Matt tried to make me leave this company to go to another company. 
which is like that. I know I knew it's the biggest no, no you could ever possibly do. And they, and they, they never, they didn't move on, lost millions, not just time, but million dollar opportunity. So that's, yeah. But I, I couldn't lie, dude. I mean, I couldn't, I, no, I could have, I could have totally could have <laughs> lied. I totally could have lied. I to- totally could have been, you know, what, you know, Hey, it's your team's a problem or it's the systems or, you know, whatever. And I could, I totally could have, I just, I couldn't have gone to bed that night. Right. I couldn't have, and oh man, I came home and about two weeks later, I got the phone call that no, you're not approved anymore. And I remember my, my wife was my assistant at the time. Not really my assistant. She's my partner at the time. <laughs> And, um, and she's like, you worked so hard for that. So, yep. But you know what? Dust myself off. What's next? Where do I go? How do I, you know, what's the next million dollar opportunity? And what most people would have done there, Kelly, would have just quit. I mean, it would that was a mic drop situation. Like, look, I, I obviously suck as a consultant. I, I got to go somewhere else. That's not what I did. So I went, try to find somebody else. So that was a horrible experience. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, Now's the time to do some shameless promotion. This episode is brought to you by Squeeze Dried, a delicious, no-hassle way to get superfoods, vitamins, and nutrition. Squeezedried.com. It's also brought to you by Cardenas Law Group, a high-level boutique law firm for all your personal injury needs. That's CardenasLawGroup.com. Calm. Thank you so much again for listening. Hopefully you're continuing to enjoy the episode. But it's a, it's a billion dollar story though. You know what I'm saying? And I love the reality of it. And I love it, Matt, because you know, when I talked to you the last time, um, there wasn't any show like, that's what I love about you. There's no show. There's just Matt and being able to hear you talk about these things is, is phenomenal. Talk to, because Whenever you you said uh, now, uh, hopefully your wife's not going to uh, get mad at you because we'll we'll bleep out the assistant part that you said. No, you don't have to worry about. I'm that, just dude. joking. I'm just kidding with you. Yeah. So, <laughs> talk right now to your wife. Like if you were looking your wife in the camera, all the things that you've been through together, and mm-hmm. for every time that we're successful as men, every time that we're successful in all those things, we know we know in our heart, if we didn't have that person. And my wife says that to me. She's like, I'm your person. You're my person. (laughs) If we didn't have that person, we know we couldn't do it. But sometimes they don't hear it. Mm -hmm. So talk to her right now and tell her what she doesn't hear enough. Well, I'm I'm more than happy to do that. But I do want you to know that I do that often. And the reason I do it often is my wife is an unbelievable human being. Okay, So, so because of the fact that she has been unconditionally supportive to the mania and madness that is Matt Halloran. It's the, it's the only reason why we have any of what we have today. And, and I believe that, that because of that foundation that I have, it allows me to take time to be grateful. Like my, my wife, I'm so glad that she doesn't work with me anymore. I'm so glad that she went back to teaching. Okay. So my wife gets letters from old students who haven't talked to her in years and says, you are, I still think about you every day. 
Wow. We have, we have one sitting on our refrigerator right now. Um, and, and the, the whole idea is like, look, you had no idea what was going on, but you, you showed up, you were there. You let me hug you when I needed to hug you. You talked to me when you, you know, you listened to me when I needed to be listened to when nobody else was there for me. And that's, that's my wife's superpower, dude. My wife, when we were, um, <clears throat> I think it was a year and a half to, or it was probably two years in, two years into starting our company. Um, we had, we did the smart thing, Matt, where <laughs> we got, uh, married in June, um, opened our second salon in October and had a baby in December. Oh dude. Holy crap. What are you doing, man? Okay. By the next year, probably it was, uh, we opened October 15th in Chicago, uh, was our second location by the summer. I went up and I hadn't checked anything online as far as my bank accounts. I had a, a phenomenal, I have a phenomenal accountant and basically it was like, you know, I heard the song Biggie song and it said, uh, you know, my, my phone bills, two G's flat. Uh, I don't worry about anything. My accountant handles that. Yeah. Right. And so I lived by li hip hop lyrics. So I allowed that to be, I had never logged on to my, my accounts, which is stupid, but <laughs> yeah, I logged on to the accounts when I logged onto the accounts, every single one of them was zero. Every oh. one of them. My credit cards were maxed out. Uh, my bank account was zero. Um, all the credit lines were gone. Everything was zero. And I tell you, I was working harder than I ever had in my entire life. I was mm -hmm. flying back and forth to Chicago. I was working in the salon four days a week. I was traveling, doing speaking engagements. I was doing all these things. And I was making crazy money. But there was nothing. Zero, zilch. And I remember being down, it was in Las Vegas, in our house in Las Vegas, and I was sitting on the floor, and I just, and I kind of curled up, and my, my wife came up to me, and she said, what's up? And I said, everything is zero. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, everything is zero. Maxed out credit cards, credit lines, uh, even the bank accounts, business bank accounts with zero money in it, nothing. I said, why, what, why am I doing all this? Like, where, where am I going? What am I doing? And she literally, and this was a lyric from uh, probably one of my favorite songs of all time. It's our song, which is Method Man and Mary J. I'll rub you on your back and say, baby, it'll be okay. And mm. she rubbed me on my back and she said, everything's going to be okay. Mm. Tell us a time that your wife, when you said, like, you wanted to pull your beard out and say, what is going on here? And your wife was like, everything's going to be cool. <clears throat> this is going to go in a very different direction than you might think. Okay. So we got married in June. Then in August, we moved to Omaha, Nebraska from Kalamazoo, Michigan. Okay. And uh, I had one of four paid internships in the United States for ethics. My actual undergraduate degree is in applied ethics. So I studied philosophy. Okay. So that's what I did. So I got a job at a hospital system teaching ethics and being an ethical consultant, which basically means somebody's about to die. You have to go in and talk between the doctor and the family because the person can't talk and you have to be able to translate doctor talk to human talk and help people make decisions about end of life issues. Okay. It was horrible. It was a horrible job. Cried all the time. I have no problem with crying, by the way. So I, I mean, like literally that's how I would decompress. And, and so, so what ended up happening was um, I didn't last long there. 
All right. Cause I just emotionally, it was just brutal. Doctors first off, didn't want to listen to me because I wasn't a doctor and families didn't want to listen to me because I was, I had to have them make decisions. Right. And it was always the same thing. Brain dead, you know, uh, appar- they're not there anymore. Your dude's not there. God tried to take them and we're keeping them alive. Right. So, so just so you know. Okay. So anyway, so Angela and I, um, decided that we were going to go back to our roots, which was service. Right. So we, uh, went to a place called boys town and boys town is where at risk kids go. Right. And so we lived in these homes with these at risk kids. And at the time we didn't have children. So we lived in something called the specialized treatment program, which were young kids with really high rates of behavior. Right. Like, everything out of your mouth is a teaching interaction. You know what you did right there? I really appreciate you gave me eye contact. Eye contact shows, you know, that you're providing me respect. Go ahead and get your card because these kids carried cards around and we gave them point systems in order of positives and negatives for their behavior. That's how we shape behavior. So Angela and I, are, are, we, we had the weekend off, okay? Which you didn't get a lot of time off. I mean, you were with these kids all the time, right? And we had four kids who lived with us I mean, kids, they throw stuff at us. We had a kid who screamed for two days straight in a temper tantrum. I mean, this is the, this was our life. We took a break. So we got in our Mazda MPV and we were going to drive to um, the Black Hills because we were in Nebraska, right? So we, we started driving through and uh, we stayed in a hotel and got up the next morning and we hit black ice. Okay. My wife is an amazing driver, okay? Like she drives, I don't drive. Because mostly because I'm too distracted. I want to look at the cool stuff and you shouldn't do that while you're driving, right? So anyway, so we rolled the car five times at 60 miles an hour end over end. My soul, whole side of the car was crushed, okay? And everybody's like whoever was in the driver or the passenger seat was dead, right? So now, so we came to a complete stop on the side. So I'm up here and my wife's down here. I'm bleeding on her and I, you know, adrenaline kicks in, right? This part, part of military training. I'm sure this happens with non-military people, but I knew it was military training. I unbuckled myself. I broke the rest of the window out. I ran across the top of the, the, the van, went back, somehow pulled open the, the hatchback and my wife and my dog climbed out and then bam, I was down totally in shock. We went to a Native American reservation hospital because it was the only thing that was around. And there was a SARS outbreak. No, maybe it was. I don't remember what the disease was. There were no trauma people at the ER because they were dealing with this other horrible health aspect. And I couldn't feel most of my body because I thought I broke my neck, right? And that's where she did the, it's going to be all right. And it was horribly traumatic. And she's crying. I'm crying. We're, we're, we're dealing with people who didn't have trauma background. They ended up transforming, transporting me to a different hospital. But, but that, that was, that was the first time where she that's where she, that's when she stepped up. Now, mind you, she's done it many other times, but that was the one time where she rubbed my back and she's like, it's going to be okay. And I realized that it was true. So on this journey of becoming Matt, 
right? You know, you have your you have your wife who's riding with you. She's really your roll dog, right? And that's what my wife that's what my wife says to me. She's like, "I'm your roll dog. We're going to eat beans out of a can or we're going to be staying at the Four Seasons. I'm cool right. with either." Right? Yes. And I'm so blessed that that I have that. Tell me about how your kids have helped you to fall in love with just being Matt. Well, they haven't really had too much of a choice uh, because they've they've been on the mat ride for for a really really long time. Um, for for both of them, the minute that they realized that they had to accept me for who I was, that I wasn't going to be anything but who I want to be. And they accepted that. It was young. They were probably five or six years old. And I would just hear them say to their friends, well, that's just my dad. You know, and, and some kids would be like, dude, I love your dad. And other people like, dude, dude, your dad's a dick, right? But they would always say the same thing with, well, that's my dad, <laughs> right? And, and that was so empowering to me. You know, that that even at that age that my kids were accepting of my level of insanity, that that this is just who my dad is and I'm going to be supportive of, you know, of who that guy is. And in that that gift has been it's been really, really wonderful. And I learned from them, dude, they still they'll still stay stuff. We're, we're, we, 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 when we want to spend one-on-one -on -one time, we drive, right? So we'll go, we know, we'll run errands together. That's what we do on our one-on-one -on -one time. And they'll say stuff to me that I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like you're 18 and you have this level of insight, like, man, and I'm so proud of them. I mean, ugh. they're amazing humans. And that was the whole goal though, dude. Our goal was not to raise the smartest, strongest, fastest kids. That wasn't our goal. Because there are a lot of people out there who are like that. And by the way, I, my wife and I have known a lot of those kids. They're really unhappy as adults. So what we wanted <laughs> to do, we wanted to raise good humans. And so our family motto is very simple. It's to be the better man. That's our whole family motto. You can, so there's two versions of that, by the way. There's the, the before you're a teenager version, which is to be the better man. And then when they became teenagers, it was don't be a dick. And now it's back to be the better man. <laughs> and you can ask my kids today, you know, hey, what's your family motto? And they'll say, well, which one do you want? You know, it's be the better man or don't be a dick, which is to me the same thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was talking with one of my, uh, one of my friends the other day and, uh, and I said to him, I said, there's two rules to be successful. Right. And I said, be kind and make a lot of friends. And yeah. he's the only profession I've ever hit that he said that won't work in my business. And I was like, what? Like I was blown away because I was thinking about you uh -huh. and I was thinking, man, I mean, dude, you make friends like, and when I say this, I want to compliment you in it because it's not like there's a lot of people who have the shucking and jiving, right? They have the right thing to say, but that you could tell they don't believe in what they're talking about. And when you meet you, you have like, number one, you have the best beard I've ever seen. I've told you that. Your voice, man, like I would talk to, if I had your voice, I would talk to myself all the time. <laughs> hey. But in that profession, like he, he was telling me he's a, uh, he's a litigator and he was like, 
oh no, if I become friends with the person across from me, I like he he's like I'm a I'm a wow. I have to be I have to go in, and I ain't trying to be your friend. It's the only profession. Do you know any other profession that those two things wouldn't work? No, I don't. <laughs> I, I mean. Uh, what an existence that must be for that guy, man. I mean, you, I mean, that's like a level of paranoia and that's the, it's like, um, it's like PTSD, like legit, like you have to be afraid all the time of what's going on because the conditions that are around you, I mean, dude, that's brutal. Is he able to turn that off? He does. He compartmentalizes. The dude is amazing. He's a phenomenal friend. He's very kind to everyone, but in like in his, in his wheelhouse, what he does, and he's the best at what he does, but it was tough because, you know, when we were talking about it, it was, it was one of the, you know, one of those things as far as that's what I try and teach my kids all the time is literally just be kind and make a lot of friends. You don't have to be good at anything. Like I don't have to be good at podcasting. I just have to keep having you as a guest, you know what I'm saying? Because you make the show so incredible, man. So let me ask you this with your, with your wife. Here's the, here, I, I'm the king of transitions. So I just went from talking about friends, but now I want to go back to hip hop. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is your wife a hip hop fan? No, <laughs> not at all. Not like, at all. Not even no, a little bit. Not even. No, no, not at all. What does she listen to? Well, so she was she a lot, actually. So she has a, an amazing uh, foundation of music. She was a cellist. So obviously, you know, we share classical music together. That's something that's very important to both of okay. us. Um, she's a huge Cure fan. So that was really her developmental music. So I yeah. went gangster rap and she was Cure. <laughs> we joke about it all the time because I, I totally would never have dated you at all in high school. And you would totally not have ever dated me. Um but yeah, so yeah, she is not a she's not a fan. That, okay, she like most deaf or Talib Kweli, she'll go there okay. just because it's poetry, right? But but Biggie, Fifty Cent, you know Eminem, Logic, any she, she's not a huge fan of any of them. Okay, the ultimate date night, and you have to cater to both of you. You're going to we have we're putting on a concert. Who's at the concert? And they, it has to be both of you mashed up. Who opens and who is the headliner in you and your wife's ultimate concert? So that that's actually very, very easy uh, for, for me. Um, so who would open... So first off, we'd go to dinner. So so there's we're passionate foodie people. Okay. In fact, have you met Johnny D? Does that name ring a bell with you? He created this thing called When You, which is the world's largest online menu. Really? I, you no. you got to meet this dude. Okay. I'll introduce you after yeah. this because he's unbelievable. So um, food. So there would be food. There's a specific restaurant that we go to. It's a very, um, uh, it's just magnificent. It's called Bold here in in, in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, unbelievable food. The, the chef comes out. The owners know us. You know, it's one of those, you know, hey, how you doing sort of things. Um, so we'd eat there. Uh, and then we would go to the show. Now, now, actually, opening would be a little difficult uh, because one of the greatest shows I ever saw, well, there's two when I was younger, was the Cranberries and the Nine Inch Nails, right? So those were nuts shows. And we would have both had a really great time with that. But more recently, we took our kids to see Coldplay. And the funny thing about Coldplay is 
my kids are ruined for concerts uh, because they put on the most unbelievable show, right? But we also took them to a band called Siguras. Now, Siguras is an Icelandic band, uh, and they are unreal. They're ethereal. They, I mean, you're in a you're not on the planet when you're hanging out with these guys. Um, so I don't know who would open and who would. I probably have. I probably have Coldplay close, but that would be the that would be the concert. It would be Siguras opening and just kind of getting you into this different transformative state, and then just dancing and partying and singing like you do at a freaking Coldplay concert would be would be freaking awesome. Probably one of my favorite things, Matt, <clears throat> is the cross of genres. It started to happen. I wasn't a big Nelly fan back in the day, yeah. but I remember when he did his first. Uh, you know, he crossed over rap, uh, like hip hop and. Uh, um, country. Mm-hmm. What would be your favorite mashup that hasn't happened yet? Oh, that hasn't happened yet? Because hasn't there was happened. a great album. Okay, so before we go there, there's an album called Judgment Night okay. where hardcore heavy metal bands and rappers got together. It was, I, okay, it okay, was okay, from it, the movie. It was from the movie, Matt. Come on, man. Judgment Night. Greatest album ever made from a movie, as far as I'm concerned. Dude, I love um, you more and more every day, dude. Every day, every day. I, I still listen to the Judgment Night album. I actually, it's one of those things where I'm like, if I just want to, ah, that's what I go to, man. Anyway, okay, so greatest crossover now. Or someone that you would think, because for, for me, my wife gets on me. She's like, you're either listening to like Hillsong United. Corey Asbury praise music or you're listening to NWA. She's like, I don't know where you're at in life. I would love to have Hillsong and like De La Soul do a song together. Like that would be my favorite. Like De La, if you're listening out there, Hillsong come together. You both are amazing. Come together. Actually the roots and Hillsong bang, do it. You know, I would probably that would I would probably choose the roots just because um, Black Thought, right? Uh, I mean, just because he is so. Did you ever see him on Sway? Yes, when I he, know he, when he, with Method Man, he killed it, killed it. What was well, I mean? Again, I don't even know how any human does what he does. So that would be fascinating to see. Actually, it would be them with Siguras. I mean, honestly, mm. that would be Black Thought with Siguras just because it would be so phenomenal to see that level of artistic genius and energy in and just see how that would end up going together. I don't know. I, I couldn't even, in my mind's ear, figure out what that would sound like. But man, if that could happen. Whew. Man. Black Thought. <laughs> Black yeah. Thought and Lenny Kravitz. Wow. Black Thought and Lenny Kravitz. They probably hang out though, dude. Like honestly, they both seem I'm I'm sure Black Thought goes down to, you know, the island that Lenny Kravitz owns. <laughs> and they probably <laughs> hang out, dude. I could totally see that happen. <laughs> Matt, okay, have you are you are you familiar with Hidden Beach? No. Matt, you have your phone with you right now? I'm gonna write it down. Okay. Hidden Beach Unwrapped. It's all jazz renditions of the of our hip hop, like classic hip hop and hip hop of today, but it's all jazz. <sighs> it is mind blowing. Mind blowing. Huh. Like 
I mean, I was playing Biggie the other day. I, I had a guest. Uh, I was taking care of her, and her daughter is there. She's like 15 years old. I have Biggie playing, but it's not the lyrics of Biggie. It's the sound, but it's in a jazz rendition. It is. Your wife would be blown away. She's a classical oh. fan. I mean, yeah. I tell you, it is absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah, I grew up. So my my stepfather, who was a wonderful male role model for me for a long time, he introduced me to jazz. And so I have a pretty remarkable jazz collection, but I've never heard of that. That's awesome. I mean, this is like old school, like Coltrane jazz. It's not anything, you know, within the last <laughs> what, 40 years. So, <laughs> huh? No, that's awesome. So I've written down a couple of the active place. I wanted to look that up to find out a little bit more about that. Yeah. And then Hidden Beach. You yeah. should, you should have, uh, honestly, like Damien Dow, uh, who's, who's my friend. I'll get you connected with him. You should have him on the show. This guy is unbelievable. I'll send you the, uh, the, um, the episode too. Um, yeah, sure. just because the guy is a tremendous human being. So tell me this, when I meet tremendous human beings like you, you, it seems to be that you guys run in packs. Why mm -hmm. is that? Like attracts like, right? I mean, but you have to be open to it, right? Because hanging out with people like you or, or like your friend Damien or, like my business partner, Kirk, or, you know, the guys who started this thing called the gathering, which is the largest, you know, marketing event for cult like brands in the world, you know, meeting these sorts of people, um, you, you kind of have to be ready for it because a lot of times you're a, you're a one, right? You're one, right? People go to you because of you, right? And then when you start hanging out with those other people that people go to, because they're them, them, you have to be, I think you have to be really open and receptive to it. And, um, and that's that scarcity slash abundance mindset that I think is so important. We talked about right at the beginning of this yeah. is you can look at them as, as competition, mm -hmm. competition for eyeballs, earballs, clicks, whatever you want to say. But once you get past that and, and realize that, you know, one, you can learn from them. And I think that's the, that's where this new phase of my life has just become so transcendent is I get to learn from people like you. Like I, okay, so I'm gonna, you're gonna have to just deal with this for a minute. So you're on my show, bad stuff happened in your life the day before you were on my show. And in fact, you were leaving after the show to go to your brother's funeral, is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay. You said something, I've said this a hundred times since you said this to me on the show. And you said, Matt, right here, I'm with you. 100% of my focus is on you being on the show and doing the best that I possibly can. But I'm telling you right now, the minute we get done, I'm not going to think about you because I got other stuff to think about. That was so powerful to me. So powerful to me. Because one, the fact that you were one of the best guests we've ever had when you were hit by a bus right before you go on the show, you killed it. You gave me unbelievable, genuine advice, love, caring to my audience. And, but you were so real about saying, but man, when this is done, I'm not going to think about it because I have other things to think about that. And, and I don't necessarily say that it's just compartmentalization. That is a level of professionalism 
that I strive for personally and that I want to meet more people who can do that. And, and that's why I think we like hanging out with each other. So I want to thank you for that. Thank you, man. Thank you. I want to go right back to a thing that you just said. When you get in those places, you got to be ready, right? And because when you have a scarcity mindset and an abundance mindset, scarcity mindset is like, oh, man, I'm scared that they're going to take my stuff. If I expose right. anything, then everyone's going to know my secrets, and then I'm not going to be special anymore. When the abundance mindset says, if I share everything, I'll realize how special I am. Oh man, brother. Absolutely. Can you help someone to get like, I got goosebumps because of your words, man. Like right now, can you help someone to get prepared or is it just something that happens? No, I think it's, I think it's mental preparation. I think that that's, and again, it's the phone and it in thing, dude. <laughs> you can't go into situations where you're going to meet unbelievable human beings with any trepidation at all, right? You can't do that. You go in and you need to stand and you need to say, look, I'm not a perfect human being. I'm flawed beyond flaws. I'm I, in, you know, on the grand scheme of things, you know, I am no better than anybody else, but I'm me. And, and, uh, who as Oscar Wilde said, you might as well be you because everybody else is taken, right? And if you think about that and you go into these situations where you have the opportunity to hang out with people, like I got to hang out with a guy named Chris Nealon. Chris Nealand and, and his partner, uh, Ryan Gill, are probably the most sought after marketing and branding people in the world, okay? And like I'm chatting with them, like I'm chatting with you. And, and if I would have gone in and being all reverent and, you know, fanboyish, which by the way, I've had problems with that in the past. Um, they don't dig that man. They're like, look, dude, I don't, don't freaking tell me what, you know, no, we're here together right now. Let's be us and, and, and move forward with that. That, that is where you need to be. Look, so what, number one, if you're walking into a room with those people, there's a freaking reason you're walking into the room with those people. I don't know what it is, right? I don't care if it's because you have a microphone and you're interviewing them. I don't care if it's because you want to sell them something. I don't care if it's because you want to learn from them. I don't care if it's just because you're sharing a meal and breaking bread together. It doesn't matter. You're there for a reason. And you need to freaking own that. And I think more people, when they have the opportunity to feel the empowerment of ownership and acceptance that that I can sit at the table, uh, Kelly, everybody is fighting for all of the scraps that are falling from the table. And there's like three people sitting at the damn table, sit at the table. You're going to look around and say, Hey, this isn't too bad, dude. This is all right. I like sitting at the table and these people are all right. Right. What are you guys doing down there? It's room at the table. I just, I never, I don't get that man. Not anymore. So Matt, I started the whole podcast because my kids, Right. And my, my son is nine. Um, I told a story about him the other day. He woke up and he said, he jumped out of bed and he said, I did it. <laughs> and that was the first thing. Like he literally from sleep to I did it. And I looked at him. I was kind of confused. And I was like, what'd you do? And he was like, I woke up. And <laughs> so that's his spirit. Mm -hmm. My daughter's spirit is yesterday. Uh, she wanted to get her friend a, a, a birthday present. And as opposed to going and buying a birthday present, um, she found pictures online, had them printed out, went and got foam board, uh, 
pasted them to the foam board and then exacto knifed out so she would have cardboard cutouts of her favorite movie star. Wow. Maddox is nine, McKenna's 12. If you could use their names, Maddox and McKenna, what advice would you give to Maddox and McKenna, Matt? So Maddox, don't ever lose that. Every day is a gift. Every day. If you are waking up and you take that first breath and you realize that you have another opportunity, take it. So there's one. For McKenna, is never lose the ability to try to do something extra special for somebody. And I'm going to go back to what I've said the whole time is your daughter didn't phone that in, dude. She, she went from a place from here and she said, you know what? I'm going to do something that takes time, thought and meaning. And I'm going to give that as the gift. It wasn't the cutouts that were the gift. It was the gift of her taking that time. Don't ever not take the time. Matt, you have been, I mean, unbelievable. And I want to always be transparent with every single person that listens. We're actually going to do the intro here in a second, Matt. The reason why is because your light and love when you came on the call was so bright, I could not stop and be like, yo, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. I literally, and I knew who you were. I've got goosebumps when I'm saying this right now. I knew who you were. I knew what you were bringing. I pushed record before you started. I noticed I, that. I was so happy that you did that because I, I, I was like, oh, my God, we just went right into this shit. I don't know. Well, for me, I knew. And I'm, again, I got goosebumps right now because I couldn't be I couldn't stop. Like I knew right when we were going on, I was recording. <laughs> I was recording the audio and I had the video recording right away because I knew that we were going to be fire. Like when I say we, you, you were going to be fire right off the bat. And I want to thank you for that. I mean, every person out there listening, I want you to realize that Matt, I mean, that construction of what you did, the blueprint of what you gave us today and what you gave to every single person is it's not about your business. It's not about marketing. It's not about financial services, about living your life at the highest level. And what I love about it is when you sent me your, uh, the, the shirt, um, (laughs) Live your own loud. Be your own loud. Be your own loud. So be your own loud. And I wore it. People were looking at it. They were wondering like, wow, what is that? And at first I had to read it a couple of times when I first met you. And then it just realized, and I want you to, I want to compliment you because man, you live that. Like there's very few people. There's tons of people who have mission statements. There's very few people who walk in what they do. And I want to compliment you on that, man. And, and uh, you know, you have just been, like, mind-blowing today. Thanks. You're a pretty damn good host, my friend. So <laughs> you make it pretty damn easy. So. Well, uh, I want to thank every single person out there for listening to Kelly Cardin's podcast. Uh, you know, you guys have uh, have supported us for uh, over a year now. I, I just want to thank you all. Uh, click the links, uh, you know, subscribe, do all the things that you know you need to do. Um, but I want to thank you, Matt. You are absolutely phenomenal and you are officially off the hot seat.